This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am PWI senior writer Al Castle, joined once again by my co-host, fellow senior writer Dan Murphy. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm uh, glad to be here podcasting once again, trying to get back to the thick of the action. With yes, we missed you. And uh, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about um, in a moment. Uh, we're going to have a, a what I think is going to be a pretty uh, spirited discussion on SmackDown, not a show we talk too much about. Uh, but there was a couple of segments on this week's SmackDown uh, that I think say a lot about WWE. Everything that's right with WWE, everything that's wrong with WWE. Uh, two segments in particular, I think, really captured uh, those two things, and uh, we're going to be talking about them. And then later on, um, I've got a, a fun interview uh, to listen to with Ring of Honor headliner Bobby Fish uh, this Saturday, depending on when you're hearing this, but hopefully it's before Saturday. He's going to be uh, in the main event of Manhattan Mayhem here in my uh, parts, uh, New York City, taking on Adam Cole for the Ring of Honor heavyweight title. A big match for him. We talk about that. We talk about uh, just his last few years in, in wrestling, and, and um, he's, he's had quite the few years in between uh, his time in Ring of Honor and in New Japan, where he's had a lot of success, even dabbled a little bit in MMA. We talk about that. We talk about, um, you know, raising kids while, while being um, a, a pro wrestler that travels as much as he does, uh, and a lot more. A, a real fun discussion, uh, so you'll definitely want to check that out. Uh, for the moment, let's talk a little bit about Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, the current issue available now is the April 2017 issue. It is our big year-end issue, 2016, the year in wrestling. Got AJ Styles on the cover, who is uh, the wrestler of the year, as voted by PWI readers. And inside, we've got all the achievement awards and uh, so much more. Uh, that said, it's not going to be too long before the June issue uh, is out. I it, when's that dropping, Dan? Do you know at least uh, digitally? Oh, I believe that that comes out I, online. I think it's March eighth. All right. So I think that's the uh, yeah. So about a week. Yeah, pretty soon. And um, again, uh, you'll be able to read that first digitally um, on pwi-online.com. And as you heard me talking about. Um, with Stephanie Johnson a couple weeks ago. You can also check it out now on the brand new PWI mobile app, which is uh, a lot of fun. Like we talked about, it's not just uh, PDF versions of the magazine. It is uh, uh, customized for mobile devices, really looks fantastic, fits perfectly in your phone. Um, again, uh, uh, customized, so everything uh, is, is just perfect for a mobile device um, and some fun interactive features. Uh, so you'll definitely want to check that out. Uh, Dan, what have you got going on in the uh, June issue? It's the report cards, isn't it? It is. Yes, it is. It's the report cards. We have a really neat, um, well, not to give anything away, but a really neat cover uh, for one thing. It's going to be a really eye-catching design, and, and we had to kind of uh, really kind of uh, work behind the scenes to make it happen because it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime uh, exclusive shop that was done for PWI. Uh, maybe once in a lifetime is a little, you know, I don't, I don't think there is such thing as once in a lifetime other than uh, 
Rock and John Cena, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, <laughs> Which uh, happened no, twice it, at we, WrestleMania. <laughs> we worked uh, very hard to, to make this happen, and it did come together. So uh, it's it's a really nice shot, and it's very eye-catching, and it's really indicative of, uh, number one, the report cards, but also kind of some recent uh, changes in wrestling over the past couple of years. And I yeah. know it's, it's very vague saying that, but um, I, I think it'll be something that people will really enjoy, and it's definitely a... Uh, a collector's uh, edition, a collector's item. Cool. You've piqued my uh, curiosity. And yet the report cards sometimes kind of go uh, maybe underrepresented in between the 500 and the the year-end awards. Um, right. The, the, the report cards are a different way of looking at uh, these wrestlers and um, in their own way, kind of a snapshot uh, in time, but also more analytical in some ways uh, than those other uh, uh, kind of metrics. Uh, can you talk a bit about the report cards, what goes into yeah. figuring out these grades? Absolutely. Basically what we do is we look at roughly the top 100 wrestlers that we can think of uh, in terms of prominence uh, and, and really kind of grade them against their accomplishments over the previous calendar year. And it's kind of a sliding scale. It's something that our editorial staff discusses and kind of looks at. But basically, we look at where somebody is and how they've um, achieved their goals. Uh, are they higher up on the card at this point this year than they were last year? Uh, you know, have they moved up? Have they moved down? Have they won championships? Have they become more marketable? Um, and that crosses all territories. It's, it's WWE, it's NXT, it's TNA, Ring of Honor, a little bit of Japan. Um, we obviously just have to kind of limit it to, uh, you know, maybe 100 or so wrestlers who are included. Um, you know, just to kind of give everybody some space. Uh, so everybody who is included, even the people who get lower report card grades, are, are kind of doing a little bit better than, you know, some of the people in the 500 who didn't make it to this point. Uh, but we really kind of look at everybody and think of, you know, how they've uh, achieved their goals over the past year and, and give them a grade of A through F uh, based on that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there are three A pluses this year and wow. um, you know, two of them are going to be on the cover and uh, it's, it's pretty special. Cool. Great. Yeah. Uh, also in this magazine, this is typically our kind of WrestleMania magazine, but we're always uh, stuck in this jam of because of the publishing schedule, you know, we don't often know much of, or, or any of what the card is before um, we, we put the magazine to bed. So we got to come up with something that is sort of timeless and uh, Dan, I think you were instrumental in coming up with the idea of uh, sleepers, flops, and magical moments, uh, which I put together for the issue. Um, and we thought about doing 33 of them for 33 WrestleManias or uh, the top 10 for each one. I, I forget, you know, what it was or one from each one. Uh, we decided on, on top 10s in each category. So we got 10 magical moments. 10 uh, sleepers and 10 flops. And, um, you know, it, it might sound derivative to other kind of lists um, that, that you see around WrestleMania season, the best matches, the worst matches. Uh, I tried to kind of come up with something special for, for that list, a, a real niche, maybe uh, some matches and moments that wouldn't immediately uh, jump into your mind. Uh, with sleepers, it's not just about good matches, but matches that weren't expected to be that good. Uh, so kind of show stealers and uh, 
you know, again, I think there's a, a fun mix, maybe some matches that you wouldn't expect being in there. Flops, kind of the opposite, matches um, that were expected to be a lot better than they were and ended up being pretty terrible. And then magic moments is kind of everything in between, you know, not necessarily matches, but just whether it's a, a particular high spot or a showdown or a promo or some kind of segment um, that really is, is in some ways what, what makes uh, WrestleMania most memorable. You know, WD likes to call them WrestleMania moments. Uh, so a fun list. Uh, I hope uh, readers will, will check it out and enjoy it. Uh, and again, the thing to do is go to pwi-online.com. Uh, subscribe for uh, the biggest biggest savings. You can get about half off the cover price. Uh, the the longer you subscribe, the deeper the savings. Uh, or as I said, you go with the digital edition. Uh, it, it's even more of a bargain, and you get it faster to your uh, desktop or mobile device. And again, with the uh, the new PWI app, uh, there's even more of uh, a value for your dollar there. So again, check it out, pwi-online.com. And while you got that computer on, follow us on Twitter at official PWI. Find us on Facebook. uh, Drop us an email here, pwipodcast at outlook.com. And uh, go to iTunes and check out uh, the archives. We're at this for about, gosh, two and a half years or something now. So yeah. uh, yeah. Yep. All right, Dan, uh, let's get to it. I've got a lot to say about um, <laughs> two segments on this past week's uh, SmackDown. Yeah, this but... is really your idea. This is you, you, when we were coming up with ideas for the show, you, you jumped on these two right away. And uh, this is really your, your baby of a topic. So I'm interested in the, uh, to hear exactly what's got you so fired up. About <laughs> yes, that said, because I've got so much to say, I, I want to throw to you uh, a first. And the two segments okay. I'm talking about are, are the opening and closing segments of this week's SmackDown. Again, a show that, that sometimes kind of goes overlooked. Obviously, uh, a lot more relevant since they've gone live and they've gone with the, the, the roster split and you got big stars um, exclusive to SmackDown. But the, the opening segment was um, a Miz TV, and it was basically a promo involving John Cena and the Miz. And <clears throat> as everybody uh, knows by now, or most people know by now, the plan is for them to work together at WrestleMania, apparently in a mixed tag match with their respective better halves. Um, and then the show closing uh, segment uh, was what I think also people were waiting on, which was Randy Orton finally kind of revealing himself as... Uh, not being aligned with Bray Wyatt, calling him out, uh, essentially the babyface turn and the confirmation that these two are going to be battling for the world title at WrestleMania. Uh, again, in in my opinion, um, one of the, if not the best segment I've seen on WWE TV in a long time uh, in that opening wow. segment. Um you know, I, I tweeted that last night. I mean, I I wasn't even live tweeting the show, but uh, I I liked it so much that when I I went right on Twitter and said that's the best promo segment I've seen in years. Um, and later the very night, one of the worst segments I I've seen, and I wouldn't say the worst in in years because unfortunately we've seen this kind of thing um, too often, so it's not that much of an anomaly. But it was pretty bad. And uh, what I find fascinating is that. Uh, they're the they embody two kind of diametrically opposed visions and philosophies of pro wrestling, and not only um, is it surprising to see them come from the same company, but on the same two hour show. I mean, and it, it's the kind, it was sort of jarring that um, you could have 
you could start off with something that's so great and it kind of embodies everything that that I love about wrestling and end the show on such a low note and remind you everything you hate about it. So uh, before I, I, you know, go on my diatribe too much more, uh, Dan, what what did you think of, of the two segments? And the first in particular, did, did you like the John Cena Miz segment as much as I did? No. I didn't <laughs> Good. hate it. <laughs> really? Okay. I didn't hate it. I, I liked it. Um, for me, though, I mean, I think what was really impressive about it was uh, Miz was great in the interview. Yeah. And we've, we've seen that. He's, he's been getting better and better and better. And uh, this may be, you know, maybe showing that I'm old school or, or a throwback or whatever, but he, he kind of reminded me of kind of a Gino Hernandez light in this. Um, and Gino Hernandez is one of the great talkers of his era in the early 80s. Um, but his presence of just being the, like, um, the, the, the would-be playboy, Hollywood, golden boy, had the world in his hands. Uh, Mrs. Delivery in that persona was, was very reminiscent to me of, of Gino Hernandez, which is meant to be a compliment. And Miz was actually smoother. And, um, you know, Gino, like I'm doing now, would kind of stumble over his words every once in a while. But Miz was actually really strong with that role. The problem that I had with it is, number one, this entire angle um, seems forced. It seems very quickly done. Um, the Miz was upset because John Cena eliminated him from the Battle Royal, uh, which happened last week. Um, and then he kind of backlit this whole story of, well, you've been, you know, holding me down for 10 years. And, you know, there was WrestleMania and you maneuvered away to get the title away from me and everything else. Well, okay, you can kind of make that story, but that hasn't been like an ongoing storyline. It hasn't been simmering. It hasn't been anything. It just seemed like a very kind of hacky way of like, oh, these guys have had a backstory. They've got nothing going on for WrestleMania. Let's try to make this happen. And Miz was capable of it. Um, he, he really made it interesting. He made it compelling. What I hated was, number one, John Cena, with the, the just snarky reaction and, and laughing about everything, as his, his protagonist is, is calling him out and everything else, and all that Cena can do is laugh. And all that does to the fans is show, well, the, John Cena doesn't take his opponent seriously. Why should I take this match seriously? Then, to make matters worse, it ends up being this intergender mixed tag match. Nikki Bella comes in. The announcers put over, oh, Maurice made a big mistake here because now Nikki's involved. Keeping in mind that Maurice is actually a very competent and, and good Divas champion in her own right. I mean, everything was designed to make Cena and, and Nikki look great. And in a league above and beyond uh, Miz and Maurice, and it just seemed very half-assed to me. That being said, I, I like the realism of, of Mrs. Uh, delivery, um, and he almost made me want to see this match. But <laughs> my God, if if John Cena and 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 Nikki were wrestling Maurice and uh, the Miz across the street, I wouldn't look out the window to see that match. Even after wow, that. I couldn't disagree with you more, man. And and, and this is a match that. Uh, a week ago, I, I would have had the same sentiments uh, as you. And in the last podcast, I talked about how kind of disappointed I was that this is what they were doing with John Cena at WrestleMania. And I'll go as far as to say, not to, did uh, not only did last night sell me on this match, it may be the match I'm looking forward to the most now at WrestleMania. I think they did that good a job of selling that match. And um, 
you're right. I mean, there there wasn't a buildup, but to me, this was the launch of the buildup. You know, this, this isn't a long simmering feud. This is the the ignition of a feud. Um, and I think they have planted some seeds in the last few weeks. Whether um, it, it's been a little bit of the interaction between Nikki and uh, Maurice backstage, nothing too major, but they've had these little run-ins with each other. Uh, the the battle royal elimination. Uh, Cena eliminating Miz, Miz coming in after being eliminated and tossing Cena. And even then, it wasn't the biggest deal in the world, but it was, again, this kind of little seeds being planted. And then the next natural step is, let's have a confrontation. You know, let these two kind of air out their grievances. And I thought both were just on fire. Um, I, I think the Miz has been uh, terrific for a long time now. And in a, a year or so of of great performances, I think that might have been his best one. Uh, and and Cena as well. And uh, what I saw some some uh, chatter about online and stuff was, oh, they were shooting on each other. Uh, and oh. that's not the point. They 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 weren't shooting on each other. I'm not so naive no. to think that, that. I mean, not any more than CM Punk was years ago. I mean, this this was a planned promo segment. The point isn't that uh, it was true. It's that what you said. It was believable. Right. So these were two wrestlers that were completely emotionally invested in the words that they were saying, uh, whether that's their their real thought uh, thoughts or not. And um, I don't believe, you know, John Cena really thinks that about The Miz. And I don't believe The Miz really thinks that about John Cena. But it's a believable, believable enough storyline that touches on uh, some real sentiments that that whether they have or other wrestlers have or the fans have, there's some reality there. The the, the issue of, uh, John, you know, has John Cena sold out? Is he becoming a part-time player? Is The Miz kind of soft? Is he kind of derivative? Um, there's some reality there. And be, because of that, and because I I just think these two guys are so good, because I don't know that, that you could take any other two guys uh, in the company and they'd pull this off um, that, well, a few would, but but not that many would. Uh, they were just completely emotionally invested in what they were saying. <clears throat> and I'd like to think, uh, and I do think, while they were given uh, bullet points and they knew what the mission statement was, I don't think that this was uh, scripted word for word. And if it was, I'm even more impressed because it didn't feel like it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, and it's something The Miz in particular has been so good at lately, uh, stemming from that... that uh, uh, interaction with Daniel Bryan on <clears throat> uh, Talking Smack months ago that I think really kind of kicked his career into the, the next level is really kind of uh, uh, believing in what he's saying, being connected to his words, uh, adding some some realism and and, and uh, believability into it. And I thought this was just fantastic. I mean, The Miz, who is like the ultimate smarmy heel, a heel that fans actually boo, went in there and started winning some fans over with um, how how great he was and uh, just brutalizing Cena. Cena comes but out, that's has people. What's that? Miz is Miz is the villain. He's the bad guy. He should yes, be winning but, the fans over. Right. And right, I know but, you're but, playing but, the gray area and everything else, but the thing is, there, there's nothing distinctly villainous about The Miz in that, that scene. But there he was all kinds of layers to this. Cena. That was, was fascinating about this is that it actually changed throughout those 20 minutes. So then they go to Cena, and Cena is the, the baby face that everybody boos, and he boos, and then he starts uh, uh, beating up on, on Miz so badly 
and again, uh, uh, the, so much, you know, I think some some truth behind it that he won some of the fans over, and, and then the the fans that were booing Cena were then cheering Cena, not for for being more of a good guy, but almost becoming more of a bad guy because I, I was watching with my kid, and he was sort of like, wow, he's being really mean, <laughs> and and he was there was. Uh, uh, something really kind of dark and, and malicious about what Cena was saying to the Miz, uh, and then the fans kind of turned again, uh, and and I just thought it was fantastic. There was some some one liners in there that, you know, it's sort of classic WWE, you know, overscripting. They they love these little uh, phrases, uh, but they worked yeah. great. I mean, I thought the the thing about you know you're not the Undertaker, but you're going to be a dead man or whatever it was, and and the one thing that Cena said that I just uh, loved. Uh, which was, I, I love when there's stuff that is based on reality, but also works in kind of a kayfabe sense. And he said something like, uh, you know, if 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 I was this puppet master that you think uh, I am this close to WrestleMania, would I be out here face to face with you? And and I just which thought it was is where uh, that's that's the point where Miz something should have happened. So, and I know that there's more. You know, that WrestleMania is not this week. Yeah, this is there's chapter one, it, right? Right. Well, yeah, chapter one, chapter two, depending on the Battle Royal and everything. But yeah, it's it's one of an ongoing series of chapters. Now, when I mentioned before with with uh, Gino Hernandez or Tully Blanchard or these heels who have had that kind of mold that The Miz is in right now, those were also guys who were, were chicken poop heels, uh, but at the same time, they were vicious, and they would try to take somebody's eye out if they could. They, they were nasty. They, they were bad guys. And The Miz just stood there and got cuckolded basically in front of his wife and everything else and just kind of stood there and just looked like a schmuck. And it's just like, oh, like Cena's laughing at you. You're standing there taking it. And this whole 20 minute buildup is so that Nikki Bella can run you off. And we're yes, supposed to right. think that that's an intriguing match. Uh, it's just, it, it felt now if next week they come out and uh, Miz slaps Nikki Bella, I mean, not that that would happen in this, this era, but it happened with Tully Blanchard and Sunshine. Um, if if he laid out Cena and left Cena a bloody mess, and the fans were shocked in, because of the brutality that Miz is now capable of, and it's bringing something out of it. Okay, then that would be something that's made it intriguing. But this, in and of itself, two guys exchanging playground insults, and then they just kind of walk away from each other. It, it just didn't. It broke no no new ground for him. I don't disagree with what you're saying, and I entirely expect us to get some of what you're talking about. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think uh, The Miz was cast as a chicken here, uh, essentially was run off by Nikki Bella, uh, as you said. I think that was the point. I think that is Miz's character, and I think you're right. I think between now and, and WrestleMania, they've got to do something to establish uh, that he is a credible threat uh, to John Cena, that John Cena is kind of underestimating him and thinking – you're a joke, and, <clears throat> you know, I'm almost lowering myself by working with you at WrestleMania. Uh, and I do think we're going to see that. And if we don't, I'll be disappointed. Um, but, again, as as essentially the first chapter, the first act of this feud, I thought this was absolutely pitch perfect. I thought uh, uh, Maurice's involvement, and that was a little more kind of WWE sports entertaining stuff, the slap and all that stuff. Uh, but I, I, I thought it worked well. I thought she played her part well. I thought Nikki running in, uh, and just the one line that she got off on, on Maurice was fine. I cracked up at, at the Miz running for the Hills from, from Nikki. Um, and I thought there was even something, uh, kind of endearing and character forming 
of finally sort of confirming the the uh, John Cena Nikki Bella relationship on air, which is something that uh, for for all the stuff on on Total Divas and Total Bellas and everything else, they really haven't shown them together on WWE television. Uh, and and here they were, you know, they were smooching, they were doing the whole the whole thing. And and I thought that was fine. I thought that was a, the logical progression of all this. And uh, I just loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Even the stuff with um, what's his name, No Chin Guy, uh, uh, James Ellsworth. Um, uh, yes. And yes. setting up the. In Carmella setting up the mixed tag next week, I thought that's a logical way to go. You kind of, you know, this is very old school. This is the way they they do things for for years. When I was growing up in the eighties and nineties, um, you you create this new team or this new faction. You you establish them on on TV. Um, so we're going to see you, John Cena and Nikki Bella as the tag team, and and like Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire, sure, and uh, the Macho Man and uh, Sherry. Right, so you kind of remind the fans. The poops of a match. <laughs> yeah, you remind fans that that you know mixed tag team matches are a thing, and uh, hope you know. I, I there is plenty of time too. I hope they don't rush through it. You know, I, I don't mind waiting a few more weeks before they confirm this match. And uh, honestly, I think they took a match that a lot of people, including myself, rolled their eyes at uh, as a WrestleMania match, and uh, just in one night made it something really special and and something to look forward to. So. I'm all in. I, I really loved it. I can't can't say enough good things about it. Um, then the the show closing angle um, again. You know, in short, Bray Wyatt or uh, Randy Orton. Randy Orton burns down Bray Wyatt's house. <coughs> what? Sorry, a little under the weather. What did you think of that? Uh, it was hokey. I mean, it's certainly not the hokiest thing WWE's done. It wasn't uh, Vincent Shane McMahon going to church to, to call out God <laughs> as Shawn Michaels' tag team partner or Katie Vick. Or, it it kind of reminded me of, of those vignettes of Jake Roberts training uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. You probably remember well. Uh, uh, but, okay, yes, it was a little bit hokey. Um, this one was way over scripted, I think. Uh, something that really got me is both Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton referred to uh, the, the compound as being on hallowed ground not hallowed ground but hallowed <laughs> you know like like neither of them quite understood the word that somebody else had obviously written for both of them yeah and they they had to get over the fact that this was like a sanctified hallowed place and, and both and whatever and little things like that that it's just like that's not a word either guy would use and both mm-hmm. are using it because it obviously came from somebody else and you know it, it's like when something that threw me out of the moment back uh to digress quickly was the Billy and Chuck wedding, if you remember, Rico yeah. was the, the stylist and preparing the wedding, and he was trying to decorate the ring, and he was he was saying, uh, "Garland, we need more garland, you know, on the, the ropes." But instead, he said, "Garlic, we need more garlic," <laughs> because like it's just he's it not like a that vampire guy. wedding like, or something, right? He didn't know what garland was, and, and I, I still remember it. it's just like why, you know, he's obviously trying to deliver somebody else's words, and anyway, so that stuck out at me. Um, the other thing, you know, Randy Orton is, is he's in this, this house, um, and, and somehow he walks out the door, but now the camera has cut to the outside. So Yes, the I was going to point the same in, thing. That was maybe house. my number one pet peeve of, of this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that, that cameraman must have died. Like, <laughs> never got out of the fire. Um, just, I mean, then it, it, when he's doing his 
the pose in front of the flames, and then for a second the camera cut to a lower angle. So there's okay, there's a, a steady cam. He played yeah. to a steady cam like uh, <laughs> there, dude. I, these, and these, uh, same same points I wanted to make. Yep. Yeah, and, and then the other thing with it, and again, it was it was entertaining. It was fairly entertaining. But Randy Orton would start going into a really dark place talking about the remains of Sister Abigail. And then it would show the worms and cut to creepy sound effect music. That was obviously post-production. Like, <laughs> you can't, yeah. like, intercut, like, sound effects into a live promo. So that, you know, again, it takes you out of it. Uh, but the biggest thing of all is Randy Orton apparently turned good by destroying a man's house and defiling his sister's grave. Yeah, whereas committing a felony guy, on national television. Yeah, the bad guy who's never really done anything bad was left basically crying, and mm-hmm. it's like, what, what is that? It makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, and yeah, again, I, I know they'll they'll say it's one chapter of an ongoing story, mm-hmm. but if chapter one doesn't make any sense, I'm not really intrigued about listening or following in chapter two and chapter three. Yeah, yeah, we're we're much more on the same page uh, about this one. I, I agree with <clears throat> everything you said, and. Uh, super hokey, WWE at its worst. The camera stuff was driving me crazy because you're right, you'd see him from, from one shot and then all of a sudden it would cut to the other way and I'm just thinking, where would the cameraman be if, if they flipped it? I should be looking at a cameraman right now. Um, right. And I get that right. they, they do things like that. It, it's not the first time they've done that. Whenever they deal um, with some of these kind of magical dark wizardry stuff, Undertaker stuff, Kane stuff, they 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 tend to do this kind of thing. I always hate it when they do. This was um even for that kind of angle, I think pretty extreme and pretty bad. And you have um you know first it it is something that because it's so hokey and so kind of mystical, it is inherently difficult to to buy into to believe it, it it's you know the the polar opposite of that cena is uh angle and what's more it's delivered by um maybe less so bray white but certainly in randy orton one of the guys who is the least convincing even in a reality-based angle i mean i talked about not not everybody could do uh the the segment that the miz and john cena did i guarantee you randy orton could not do it uh, because again, and and it goes to the, these two WWEs and these diametrically opposed uh, uh, philosophies and visions. And Randy Orton has always been, and this is the rap on him. He is follow the script to the word, and it he's fine at it. I mean, he he you know he nails every word, and and he remembers his lines, and and he's good. Well, at it. sometimes yes. He has to ask the guy he's in the ring with what his line was. <laughs> Maybe. That. That was but the point being, <laughs> he never seems connected to what he's saying. I mean, you talked about somebody else's True. words. It always feels that way with Randy Orton. So you're already starting with that as kind of an obstacle. And then you throw in just this ridiculous, fantastical uh, setup of him somehow broadcasting live via satellite from Bray Wyatt's house which he's about to burn down on national television, uh, co- commit a felony, just destroy this guy's house, as you said, for no real reason. Um, and not only is this supposed to make us want to see this match, it's the main event of WrestleMania. This is the world title match at, at WrestleMania. Um, 
And it did nothing to make me want to watch this match. And and this is another match, sort of like the mixed tag match, that I think they started, <coughs> you know, kind of a, a little behind because that is not a marquee match. That's not a marquee match for a, a fast lane or no way out or something like that, much less WrestleMania. Randy Orton and, and Bray Wyatt as the main event of WrestleMania. So I think they thought, oh, we're going to do something really special. This is going to make all the fans buy in. And uh, it didn't at all. And I think it is just a total misunderstanding of how you sell a fight. And at the end of the day, that's what they're doing, whether they're they're scripted fights uh, or not. They are in the fight game, like pro boxing or MMA. And the point is to to create a scenario where you 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 leave the fans saying, oh, I got to see this guy get his hands on the other guy. That's how I felt after um, the opening segment with John Cena and The Miz, and I couldn't have felt less like that in, at the uh, the close of SmackDown. Well, like you said, uh, if you're building a fight, it has to be, uh, especially in a wrestling context, it has to be relatable. Um, if you're building a storyline for a fight, it has to be, you know, say Austin against McMahon. It's, uh, you know, the, the every man against his boss. Everybody can relate to that. You want to tell, I want to tell Stu Sachs a lot of things sometimes. I want to kick him <laughs> in the belly and give him a little stunner, you know? Uh, but the thing is, like, everybody can relate to those characters. You can relate to good against evil. You can relate to whatever. Like, who's at home? Like, yeah, that reminds me of that time that guy broke into my shack and burnt down my sister's grave. Like, you know, I'd, I'd love to see Bray Wyatt get some vengeance on that Viper. Yeah, just, and where do you go from here? Just so, yeah. And just, what's the payoff? So the, the payoff is a match that ends in a three count after he burned a guy's house down? Yeah, yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just absolutely hated it. Um, and, yeah, and, it, uh, it, it, and the worst part is it's not the first time that Randy Orton's had one of these kind of like real, remember the, the home invasion with Triple H? Sure. Yep. Like that was leading up to another WrestleMania match, like another really like awkward vignette that was done a few weeks before WrestleMania that fell flat and that uh, happened again this week. Yeah. And, and yeah, that was a bad one too. And that was much better than this because at least there was a semblance of, of realism uh, there, even though what, didn't he have like a, a fake wife or something in that one? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, not not giving me a lot of confidence uh, in that match, and and it's too bad because I I like to say that, um, and I still believe it's the case that you see WWE creative at its best leading up to WrestleMania, and it's in part because I think um, at least the wrestlers that have the pull to be able to do it, they take ownership of their storylines, and I think you see a lot more. Um, of of wrestlers' own voice and input and creativity in the angles leading up to WrestleMania than you see uh, the rest of the year. And I think that's probably what we saw with The Miz and, and John Cena. Um, and we didn't see that at all. Um, or I hate to think that we did. I hate to think that, that Bray Wyatt and, and Randy Orton came up with that or, or signed off on that. I mean, I guess they did sign off on it, but man, that was uh, a dud. I just don't know... Anybody older than like seven years old that would have been excited about that. So, uh, yeah. And how do you how do you even do the next few weeks? Because I mean, how do you have the two guys in the arena together? I mean, like I mean, maybe if that's a go home angle, should be in jail. Still a bad angle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like how, how it's just like you know like how can Randy Orton wrestle without Bray Wyatt being in the arena and, and attacking him or vice versa? I mean, it's just it makes unless Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon keep them separated or something silly like that, but. It's it's just um, you know, it, it it's just such an odd misstep in, in building 
what could be a, a decent little match. I mean, yeah. it's not going to be a show, uh, a, a, a blockbuster, but it doesn't need this, and it's not going to add anything to the match. And they have to unravel, um, you know, months worth of, of storylines of, of why Orton was ever in the White family. I mean, are we supposed to think that he knew he was going to win the Royal Rumble. He knew Bray Wyatt would be it. He knew there would be an elimination chamber. He knew Bray Wyatt would would be in the elimination chamber. He knew Bray Wyatt would win the elimination chamber, um, and and then arbitrarily he gives up the title shot just to reclaim it a couple weeks later. I mean, it's just a mess. I, I, I yeah. you know, if they can make sense out of it, kudos. That'll be great. Um, my as I talked about in the last uh, podcast, and it seems pretty clear. The other thing that comes out of this is AJ Styles and Shane McMahon. I'm not at all looking forward to that. Um, I'm sure Shane will work his magic and, and make something out of it, but uh, at, at least the SmackDown side of WrestleMania, but for, I think, the mixed tag match with Cena and Miz, uh, is not shaping up to, to look too great. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and hopefully things can change up a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes... So one of the ideas that we thought of for this issue with that WrestleMania story, that the piece that you mentioned, was possibly doing a story on the greatest WrestleMania matches that were penciled in and never happened. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, for either time constraints or an injury or politics or whatever prevented that from ever happening. Um, hopefully, I don't want to say hopefully, but it's possible that other circumstances will intervene and, and may require them to kind of juggle this card up a little bit because from what I see, there's very little that's intriguing. We've got a pay-per-view in between. Um, you know, Seth Rollins, who knows exactly what his status will be. And Well, I, I would expect him to wrestle, but uh, there's a few things that can change the, the, the show up a little bit. Um, but even a match like Shaq against the Big Show, which had been rumored for the past year, Shaq uh, was quoted this week saying it doesn't look likely now. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things where, you know, maybe that will open up an opportunity to bring in, say, like, um, Nakamura. Oh, like, maybe yeah. you can bring in Nakamura for a match. Like, maybe something will happen now where we can get that sleeper show stealer now and, and something will develop in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's crazy to me that having uh, Nakamura and uh, apparently a healthy Finn Balor and Samoa Joe all on um, the payroll that AJ Styles is going to wrestle Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. I yeah. mean, that's just yeah. unthinkable to me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, uh, that's something I, in the first segment of, of SmackDown before the, um, the Miz bit, there was a little piece where Shane and, uh, and Daniel Bryan were reviewing last week's battle Royal and where Luke Harper and AJ went out. And basically Shane was kind of like, you know, see, Daniel, you screwed up. You missed the call. Like, it's obvious that it looks like there was a mistake. Trying to kind of, because obviously it, from the camera angles, it didn't look, it looked like AJ hit the floor, obviously well before Luke Harper did. And Daniel Bryan kind of had the, the task of saying, well, you know, I go by the referees and the camera angle wasn't great. But again, it was, it's a minor thing, but it was once again positioned where the McMahon is the one who's like, well, you screwed up. Just like Stephanie with, with Mick Foley and Shane, and now we get into WrestleMania season, and you've got Shane in the match, and Triple H will probably be in the match. It's just, it, it gets too McMahon-centric yeah. around WrestleMania, <clears throat> and man, putting your, your arguably the best pure worker on the main roster 
against a guy who wrestled a dud of a match and wrestled another tag match and got injured, uh, who's 40 something years old. And, you know, it's just mind numbing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. All right. Yeah. This was fun. Uh, we, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll pick this up in a couple of weeks. We're, we're still just at the beginning of WrestleMania season and uh, a lot I'm sure is going to happen between now and then fast lane is this Sunday and I'm sure there'll be some developments coming out of there that will, uh, shake up WrestleMania a little bit. Uh, Dan, yeah, thank you. Appreciate eye, it. Uh, I was just going to say, too, uh, keeping an eye on everything going on with uh, Impact Wrestling, too, with all the changes happening over there. So that's something we're going to have to uh, keep our eyes on and, and maybe talk about next time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a new ownership, uh, the return of Jeff Jarrett, the apparent departure of the Hardys and uh, Drew Galloway, and even some of that might have an impact at, on WrestleMania in a roundabout exactly. way. We will see. Uh, so, yep, a lot more. I'm sure it's going to be an interesting uh, few months. It always is this time of year. Uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, thank and, you. Yep. And uh, right now, let's hear from the challenger uh, at this Saturday's Manhattan Mayhem show, taking on Adam Cole, the Ring of Honor heavyweight champion. It is Bobby Fish. How are you, Bobby? Thanks for joining me. I'm, I'm good. How are you? And, and uh, let's just call a spade fade here um your next ring of honor world champion all right that's that's a big claim uh so let's talk about this match i mean you've been at this uh for a while uh but I, I, you've challenged for for the roh title before am i right i have yeah. uh i challenged uh jay briscoe back uh, oh god i'm horrible with uh time frames but um during Jay Briscoe's run, uh, he and I faced off at the uh, at the uh, famous ECW Arena, actually. Okay, and now uh, New York City, Manhattan, the Manhattan Center. Uh, you know, can you put it in perspective? Doing this as long as you've been doing this, do you still get up for this kind sure. of thing? Is it is it exciting for you? I mean, this is exactly what uh, you get up for. Is is uh, you know, moments like this. And, and that, that's really what it's about. It's in my home state in New York. Uh, we are back at the Hammerstein ballroom, which, you know, we took a little respite, uh, we being ring of honor, uh, from the Hammerstein and, and it just changed things. You know, the Hammerstein has such history, uh, in, in the industry to begin with, but then also with, with ring of honor itself, um, the brand. So to be going back to the Hammerstein and for me, <clears throat> Excuse me. This will be my return to the Hammerstein. Um, I did not make final battle this year. I had uh, some family issues that that prevented me from uh, from being there. So that was Ring of Honor's return uh, to the Hammerstein Ballroom. Um, but now uh, this Saturday will be my return to the Hammerstein. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm as excited as as you would expect. Is it excitement uh, just over the opportunity, or, or how much excitement is there at the opportunity of having a really great match? And I know Ring of Honor in particular, and these uh, New York City shows in particular, and in the main event, expectations are going to be high. I mean, people are going to be looking for the sure. you know the quote-unquote four-star match, five-star match. Is that part of mm -hmm. the pressure, de delivering uh, a, qual a quality performance out there? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, of course, but then that becomes part of the excitement too. You know, uh, if, if you, you got to have a reason to wake up and put your feet on the floor every morning. And, and this is what, uh, motivates me, you know, moments like this, uh, this is why I, I assume everybody in our industry does what we do, um, for stuff like this, because 
to me, pro wrestling is about moments, creating moments. And, and a lot of times you can't necessarily put your finger on uh, all of the elements that need to be there, but when all the elements align and they are there and you experience uh, one of those moments, um, especially as a fan, it sticks with you. It stays with you. It's, it's what I love most about pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And Ring of Honor is a, a very different Ring of Honor than than it's been, um, you know, from compared to a couple of years ago. And, and somebody who hasn't been watching that closely might look at the roster, not see that many names that they recognize, and be surprised to hear that a guy like you, that I, I feel like not that long ago was kind of a, a newcomer uh, in Ring of Honor, is now kind of one of these mm -hmm. veterans, one of the elder statesmen and, and in this position. Sure. Um, what's it like there? You know, what what is the vibe? Again, a lot of turnover, a lot of new faces. Is it exciting? Is there any kind of, you know, sadness in, in losing a lot of the people you've lost? Um, I don't know that there is uh, any uh, sadness associated with any of it because uh, for a lot of the locker room, I, I think guys understand the way this industry works. And um, this is kind of the process. This is what happens, you know, and sometimes there's some changeover and uh, other times, you know, it's kind of status quo for a while. Uh, it's just the ebb and flow of the business. Um, I'd say the morale in the locker room is, is, is great right now. Um, doesn't seem as though it's affected anybody negatively. Um, if, if anything, if I had to use one word to describe the, the morale, I'd be excited. You know, I feel like, I feel like the locker room is uh, motivated and uh, just trying to produce the best pro wrestling that we can. Is it uh, any added pressure on you? Again, going from a guy who was a player, but maybe not at the very top, and now you find yourself in this position, uh, not just headlining a major show, but I imagine kind of a locker room leader. And I, I know you're getting up there in years too, um, uh, both in age and, and doing this for a long time. So uh, do you feel kind mm -hmm. of a leadership role in the Ring of Honor locker room? Um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, uh, ask for that. I, I, I'm not, uh, I don't need people to look to me for that. If they, if they do, um, I'm, I'm happy to lend a hand and, and help with anybody who asks, um, you know, to call myself a locker room leader. It, I don't know. It, it's, it's not something I would I would turn a blind eye to, um, but it's certainly not something that I promote. Um, I just I just I'm just me, and I, I'm just going to go out there and do what I do. And and uh, you know, like I said about the locker room, like for me right now, I am motivated, and and all I want to do is is produce. I want to produce uh, the art that is pro wrestling. I mean that's that to me that's that's what it is it's you know we're we're putting together a story and we're we're putting something out there that is is a pro wrestling product that's going to entertain you and and I'm just motivated at this point to uh you know to do that how uh does that motivation differ from when you were doing this 10 years ago 15 years ago um, you're you're a little older if 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 Wikipedia is right. Um, you're you're 40 years old, which I think yeah, will surprise some people. Seeing um, yeah, uh, as as I think a lot of people still think you as kind of these up and coming young lions in, in Ring of Honor. Sure. Um, yeah. Do you is is it harder to to get motivated um, this far into your career? No. And and physically, do you feel good? 
Uh, physically, I feel fantastic. Um, I don't know that I've ever felt better. Um, I'm a much wiser man at 40 than I was at 20. Um, I dare I say that physically, I'm probably in better condition at 40 than I was at 20, um, just due to ignorance. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been an athlete my my whole life, but you know, I I, I think you you pick up things along the way. You you learn by trial and error. Um, so with 40 years in the rearview mirror, uh, I, I feel like I, uh, finally figured out what I'm doing to some degree. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I physically could not feel better than I do right now. So, so for me, literally, I don't, I, I really just don't concern myself with, with, uh, age. It doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you think? I mean, regardless of how you feel about it, do you think it affects your career one way or the other in terms of, um, you know, I guess the one thing that the people always ask uh, wrestlers who don't work uh, in WWE is the prospects of WWE. I mean, do you think that 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 potentially hurts you? Looking at a guy who's super talented, has got a name, uh, but uh, he's forty mm-hmm. years old. I mean, do we really want to invest in a guy like this? Sure. Uh, that may affect other people, but I can't control that. So that being outside of the realm of things that I can affect, I don't worry about it. Yeah. I and mean, that's just kind of the way I look at life in general. Like, I mean, if I'm going to subscribe to the fact that, hey, you know, this guy started earlier than I did or that guy started later than he did, then I got to subscribe to all of it. It's either all of it or, or none of it. And, uh, you know, if, if I'm going to live my life and more importantly, my career that way, I should have. I shouldn't have started this thing. You know, I I mean, I I should have just let it be. And and at the end of college, when I was done playing football, said, hey, I'm going to start a nine to five career and and that's going to be it for me. But that did not feel right. And in fact, that felt entirely wrong. Uh, So I just I could could not make that that decision. And, uh, you know, some 15 years later, here we are. And, uh, you know, I love what I do. I feel great physically, and um, you know I've, I've got Saturday in the uh, uh, on the horizon right now, and and uh, I, I could not be happier. Yeah, yeah. How much um, has your time in Japan uh, helped your career? Rejuvenated you? Uh, working some of these huge shows, uh, uh, winning titles sure. in Japan. Uh, did did that give you kind of again sort of a, a, a new lease uh, on this? Not that you needed it, but I but I imagine that could really pump you up, right? Definitely stokes the flames. I mean, definitely you know all of those successes, all of those things. Japan always you know being such a, a special place to me to have success there and, and the success that we had um, and that we continue to have over there. Uh, I, I don't think my days in Japan are finished. So, uh, there is certainly more to come. And, uh, I, Japan has been such a huge chapter in my career continues to be. Um, so, uh, I, I honestly can't say enough about, uh, my experience in Japan and, and specifically with new Japan pro wrestling. Um, you, so, so to, uh, uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just gonna say, you know, on that topic, do, do you think that that association between ring of honor and new Japan really is a testament to the, the quality of wrestling you, you get out of Ring of Honor um, that, that New Japan that, you know, outside of the of, uh, United States is as big as it gets. I mean, you're yes. talking truly major league, a company that can, can yeah. pack domes, 50,000, and have some of the best workers in the world 
um, they they are couldn't be more excited, more happy uh, to be working with Ring of Honor, and you you get guys like uh, an Okada yeah. and a Kenny Omega and and their top stars sure. right there alongside with you. Their roster, you know, speaks for itself. Uh, being a member of that roster along with Kyle, it, it, it is, um, you know, one of the things I am most prideful about uh, when it comes to things that I've, you know, or we've accomplished or not accomplished. Like, that's that's one of the, you know, being a, a member of that roster that is relied upon, um, man, that, that that is something I, I take pride in, certainly. Um, and I think anybody can imagine just the walking the ramp at the Tokyo Dome in, in front of, like you said, 40,000, 50,000 people. Um, I've done it on numerous occasions now, and it, it, I don't dare I say, it doesn't get old. Yeah, sure. And, um, you know, it, it's indescribable what that walk down what is always a very long ramp what that walk feels like. It's uh, the closest thing for me to a uh, narcotic high without the narcotics. I, don't, I just don't, <laughs> I, I really can't describe it. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, he just mentioned, I mean, looked at, I, th- I think, a lot by people as uh, the next big thing uh, in wrestling and still a relatively young guy and a guy who in a lot of ways is, is kind of uh, at, at the forefront of revolutionizing what pro wrestling can look like. Um, and you're right there alongside with him um, with, with that style, kind of a mixed martial arts, uh, martial arts hybrid wrestling style. Uh, can, can you talk mm-hmm. a bit about, you know, Kyle and what do you think the, the future has in store for him? Uh, I mean, Kyle, the, the <laughs> not to, to be cliche, but the world is his oyster kyle is, is uh, i can honestly go as far as he wants to in this business and do uh whatever it is that he wants to do i mean that there's no reason that he does not one day end up um you know a millionaire off of this industry he should um i'm biased obviously <laughs> you know kyle and i have a, a history together and he is and, and will remain um you know like a brother to me it 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 just is what it is so um i I will preface anything that I say about Kyle with the fact that, yeah, I mean, of course I'm biased, but he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know that, you know, he or I set out necessarily to, to uh, fuse the, the two worlds of, of pro wrestling and, and mixed martial arts or anything like that. I, I think that it comes from, that's Kyle and I were are both lifelong martial artists. You know, I started Taekwondo when I was eight years old. Uh, you know, Kyle, this is just something that both of us pursue. So when it came to, okay, well, what is your pro wrestling going to be? Well, it should be an extension of yourself, correct? So if that's the case, well, then why would I ignore the things I've been doing since I was eight years old? Mm-hmm. You know, so instead we, we applied those things and, over time, it's a progression, and it's still a progression. You know, I'm, I and I, I think I can speak for Kyle when I say that we're still grabbing things from one world and bringing it to the other, and uh, and I, I think that that's what stands out and and why people um, have have maybe uh, tagged it with with such titles um, because it's uh, it works. You know, yeah. it's working. 
And I know in your case, you've had a couple of MMA fights. I was watching some of them, uh, preparing for this uh, interview, and super impressive. I mean, it looks like you could have had a, a, oh, a, whole, a whole separate career there. Um, can you talk a bit about that and, and you know, whether it's it's CM Punk or, or a number of other uh, pro wrestlers who have expressed some interest in MMA, it feels like for... Uh, for some pro wrestlers, there is an itch that they can't scratch in the pro wrestling realm, and they they feel um, to really prove themselves, to really kind of you know prove their credibility, they need to cross over to that other side, and and not just you know punk it, but you've heard other people say guys like the Undertaker, oh if if MMA was was around and was hot when I started, I definitely would have done that and not this. I think even The Rock has said that. Um, you know, your thoughts on that? I mean, do you, do you feel like it's mutually exclusive? It looks like you found some comfort, uh, in, in doing both and not feeling like, um, you, you need to, uh, be in, you know, so-called legit fighting to be a martial artist. Right. Um, I think you need to decide what your, you know, what your itch is. And, and I don't think it's, fair to say, well, if this was around when I was blah, 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 I would have done this because it, the fact that it wasn't, it's always been around, you know, um, mixed martial arts and, and uh, quote unquote shoot fighting has existed in Japan forever. Um, so it's always been around. It's just that guys weren't able to make a very good living doing it. And if, and if you think about it, even the, the lower level UFC guys, man, they're struggling because fighters don't, you know, the, the upper echelon of fighters make a ton of money. Um, but there's a ton of guys below that mark that struggle. And it is what it is. I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to train with a lot of these guys uh, in, in my area. And I watch what they put themselves through. And I watch, you know, training for the, some of the fighting that I did. Um, you know, it's a grind. And the, the fact that these guys do it every day is a testament to them. So I don't think you can say, you know, whomever you are, that I would have would have done this instead because I don't know if it, the fact that you didn't means to me that maybe you don't have a love for it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a love for pro wrestling, you're never going to make it. If you don't have a love for mixed martial arts, you're never going to make it because there's going to be hours in both businesses. There's going to come times where it sucks. You know, they're, they're, it, you're not happy and, and it, it, you're grinding and, 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 and it's Groundhog's Day and, you know, you, you, there's going to come those moments. And if you don't love the industry that you've picked, then you will never make it. You'll never, you know, stick with it. You'll throw the talent. So I don't know. I, 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 feel, like, um, I feel like both industries complement each other well. Um, I, I think guys, you know, you, you pick your lane. And, uh, you know, I've picked my lane, I guess. Does that mean that, that you're done uh, with MMA? Is it something that, you know, you feel you could go back into um, when the right opportunity uh, comes up? Um, I don't rule anything out. And that, that itch to, uh, to fight is, is kind of always there. I think um, for human beings, it's, you know, you have that question of, of fight or flight and the, uh, you know, the first time you get punched in the face, you, you find out pretty quickly which one you are. Are, are you going to, you know, do you like the fight in some odd way or do you look for the exit? Um, so I think once you've answered that question for yourself, which obviously 
the first time I, I fought kickboxing, I did. Uh, I, well, that, before that, in sparring, you find that out. Um, if that's something after getting punched in the face you'll go back for, then, uh, it, you know, it's, it's kind of, you, you understand that, that this is, this is you and, uh, and fighting is something that, um, that becomes a, a, a part of you or, or it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, back to pro wrestling. And, I don't and... rule it out. Yeah. You know? I don't rule. I mean, there's never, uh, I train every day, uh, with a group of guys and, uh, you know, you get close with these people as you as you train with them like that. There's a certain intimacy that that comes from that style of training. And uh, yeah, I mean, if the mood caught me right and and there was a fight and I thought I could fit it in and it's not going to affect my um, status, whatever it may be, as far as occupationally and what I'm going to you know be able to earn. Yeah, I could see myself, you know, kickboxing again or mixed martial arts or something. I don't know. You know, I yeah. don't rule anything out. <laughs> yeah, I think fans would love to see that. Yeah. Um, oh, back to pro wrestling and the show this Saturday. You, you talked about wrestling in your home state. You're from uh, the Albany area, right? Yes, I live yeah. in uh, – I'm from Albany, yep, and I, I live currently in Saratoga Springs. Okay. What was and, and is the the pro wrestling scene like uh, up there? I mean, obviously, I'm here on uh, on Long Island and in this kind of New York City yeah. area. Obviously, there's always been a pretty hot independent wrestling scene. Sure. Uh, w- were you able to to find that when you were coming up uh, over there? Did it did it mean working mostly down here? Had to travel a lot. Yeah. There was a a time where uh, regionally it seemed like in the beginning on the independence where like uh, I would go through a, a six month or 12 month span of time where I was doing a lot of bookings um, in Jersey or New York city or, you know, the surrounding areas. And then there was a point where I was working in new England so much because Albany is very close. It's actually, I don't know. Uh, it's probably closer to Massachusetts and it's not even probably it's definitely closer to Massachusetts than we are to, to the actual uh, New York City. Um, so I started taking a, a, getting a ton of bookings in New England, and at one point I think people began to think I was from New England. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you, take the, you take the work and you cut your teeth and get the reps wherever you can. So you know, when you're starting out, there was nothing up here in, in Albany. You know, there was very few... Uh, quality places to get a go, um, so I had to travel, you know. And then, but that was just that's part of wrestling. Yeah, you know, it was just part of this this industry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you've decided to to stay up there despite uh, sort of limited opportunities to work in your area. Um, I, you know, I just got used to hey, there's nothing that's going to be less than three hours for me. And yeah, I, wow. I, uh, you know, and I got to uh, and and three hours is on the low end. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember not too long ago doing, you know, we were working for a place in, in Pittsburgh, which is a seven or eight hour trip. Um, you know, myself and Dalton Castle, we would make that trip, uh, I don't know, once a month. At one point we were doing that. I, I can remember a calendar year where I drove three times in, in a 12 month span with other guys, uh, but I rode in a car to um, Florida and back oh. three times in, in one calendar year. And, and it just, 
it's pro wrestling. It, it, you know, guys within the industry will look at that and go, yeah, hey, man, you're just paying your dues. People yeah. outside of the industry go, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I know uh, some of the sacrifices are even a lot worse than that. I remember interviewing uh, Kenny Omega not long ago, and for him it was picking up and going across the world, as you've done, you know, obviously uh, a lot yeah. too. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, anybody who's motivated enough to do that, like, I, I got respect for it. If you're a young kid and you pick up and you move someplace uh, foreign to you, well, not, not necessarily a foreign country, but just someplace different, something that's not your immediate surroundings to pursue what it is that, that you think it, you want to do, um, I got to have respect for that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a, a parenting question related to that. I know you got you got kids, right? Yeah, I got two daughters. Okay. So uh, even in, in my line of work, you know, which I'm not traveling nearly as much as you are, uh, but there's always that, that push and pull between so spending travel, as much man. time with your kids um, versus yeah. setting the example of showing them how important it is to be committed to something um, and and working and work ethic, that kind of thing. Is that something that you wrestle with, you know, no pun intended? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I am fortunate in that, uh, their mom is incredible. I mean, their, their mother, uh, her and I are, we, we split a few years back. Uh, but at this point I'd say she's probably my best friend. Um, and their mother has really been the pillar that has kept things together uh even going through our split she remained supportive of my pursuit of this and without her honestly i i don't know that that i'd, I'd be here right now um having this conversation with mm-hmm. you um i i do agree there is always that push pull of all right is it, what's the more valuable lesson to them is it that you pursue your dreams or that, you know, family needs to stay close? Um, I, I think for my kids, they've gotten a little bit of both. Um, and, and yet they've still been able to see that, that family, you know, needs to be a priority. Um, so like I said, I, I really give a ton of credit to, to their mom for yeah. for that being, uh, being the case. Yeah. 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 Great. Don't, don't mean to get too uh, deep with you on that. Uh, no, you, no uh, worries, man. I, I'll tell you, because, you know, I do these interviews and, and I, I've heard similar sentiment. And listen, I'm an open book, man. I got nothing to hide. Uh, I don't. And if I did have something to hide, I'm not sure I'd even know how to hide it. So <laughs> it's more than yeah. likely come out when I start answering questions. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't need to be waterboarded. <laughs> Whenever I hear about a pro wrestler uh, having a kid or maybe his wife's expecting for the first time, it, it always sticks with me. It's like, man, things are really going to change, you know, uh, because – and I'm sure uh, you remember this. When, when you're just yourself and you're, you're the only one that you have to think of, uh, it's a lot different than when you've got uh, little ones at home who, you know, want to see their dad, yep. right? I can remember back in the uh, – when my, my oldest daughter is 12, and when she was born, um, I was wrestling, but I was – you know, there was a, a, a smaller percentage of, of success and, and ability to support my family came from wrestling, uh, you know, slightly less than what it is now. And, you know, that progression has, has been. So um, that being said, 
shit, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. You're talking about your 12 year old daughter. Going with and, that. and uh, when you first started wrestling, and the question of. Oh, uh, yes, I'm sorry. And there was a friend of mine who already had a child, and uh, he came to me and said, okay, well, then you're done wrestling, right? Because <laughs> you know, we were talking about the fact that, that the baby was, was coming. And uh, he's like, you know, so when, when the baby's here, like, you're done? I said, no. no I mean, I'm not done. I'll, I'll, obviously, I'm, I'm going to probably sleep less, which every parent does anyway. But I'll, I don't know how, but, yeah, I'm going to try to figure that out. And, uh, you know, for him, that was totally irresponsible and was like, no, you're you don't, that's crazy. Um, you know, but that's the thing is, is, uh, you got to look at those situations and, and assess for yourself. You, you can't go by somebody else's standard. Um, so for me, it was like, okay, no, I'm going to find a way. And, uh, all these years later, I dare I say, I, I've, I've found a way. I don't know if it's perfect. I'm sure, you know, detractors could be presented but um yeah man if, if it means enough to you you'll find a way and yeah and and again not to get too sort of parenting philosophical here but i think those are the lessons that uh really kind of resonate with your kids sometimes you know as a parent you think so much uh am i teaching the kids the right lessons and you think about what have i told them about whatever topic uh and it's in those kind of moments where you don't even realize you're doing it, that you're teaching your kids the most valuable lessons. Uh, and that's the stuff that I think about. you're, I think your kids are watching when mm -hmm. you're uh, paying attention and it's, it's what they see you do. It's what they see modeled before them. I think that that has the most impact. Um, I, you know, I mean, I'm not like, psychologists or anything so i don't know but that as as a parent of the last 12 years um that's that's my assessment so far yeah i agree yeah. you and do yeah yeah and and yeah, as much as do. i think we talk about the importance of um getting kids to you know telling them you could be anything you want and follow your dreams and all that stuff it's good to show them that, right? I mean, to, to here's their dad doing just that, you know? It's been a, it, it's definitely been a struggle and it's definitely been a progression and it's definitely been something that you could throw the towel in on. So, um, like I said, I have to hope that, uh, if they either recognize it now or that a day will come where they look back and they do recognize it. And I just hope that they glean something, uh, positive from it about, my work ethic, the way that, like, I gleaned a ton from my dad's work ethic sure. as a kid. Like, yeah, my yeah. father was a, a, a fireman, and, and um, yeah, I mean, that, that, what I, what I saw him put himself through was, was what I took the most from. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. It's like, uh, you know, do as I, well, what does he do as I say, not as I do, which is the wrong way to do it, but, but yeah, teach by example, I guess that's, uh, yeah, that's well, I mean, that's not to say that you don't tell them things, too. You of course, do. yeah. And if yeah. your kids are anything like mine, it goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah, so, but I always think of, like, the, uh, not to put down anybody who smokes, but, but the dad who's, you know, a chain smoker and his tongue is kids not to smoke, uh, you know. Sure, well, yeah, you can't, you can't be, you, can, you cannot be a hypocrite. Yeah. That yeah. is, uh, that's the kiss of death when it comes yeah. to parenting. I, I hate the do as I say, not as I do. Right, sort of yeah. Thing. Like if it's not, 
if it's not good for me, then why is it okay? You know, that whole thing. Sure, but, sure. An- sure. Another, another debate. <laughs> yeah, we're way off the reservation now. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I like it. I like when we get outside the box. Yeah, yeah. All right, man, I won't keep you any longer. Uh, the the, no the big message this Saturday night, Manhattan Mayhem, Hammerstein Ballroom, um, Ring of Honor, uh, you finally back to challenging for the big one, the heavyweight title against uh, Adam Cole, um, and tons of other great matches. I know uh, Cody's on, on the card. Uh, who else is on the card? Young Bucks, I think, are on that card, right? Yes, yep, Young Bucks are on that card. Uh, you'll see the Briscoes, you'll see uh, Dalton Castle, you'll see all the main players that Ring of Honor has to offer, and you will see Adam Cole go down and lose to Bobby Fish. You will see Bobby Fish is your new Ring of Honor world champion. Hey, man, be well-earned. All right, thanks so much, Bobby. Thanks for taking the time. You got it. Thank you. All right, man, take okay. care.